Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, with my co-host, Jim Resky. Tonight, we're going to tackle at least one book, Ecclesiastes, which is one of the most fascinating books of the Bible. Don't you think so, Jim? I love it, Greg. I love it. So actually, um, it's been my, my favorite book of the Bible for a long time. Really? Yes. You have like a favorite verse? From the book of Ecclesiastes or no, certain uh, passages? I, different passages, but I uh, just love the overall feel of it. So um, so by the way, it's great to be with you tonight. Just for our listeners, this what we're doing tonight is what we usually do. I'm going to be teaching on the book of Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs together um, next week. And so what Greg and I do is kind of have a... Uh, podcast where we read it together or read some passages, look at it and talk about it and wrestle with it together. Kind of cold, but we, you know, go through it. And then uh, we'll take the actual talk that we give and post that. And then we have the uh, debrief or what, I forget what we're calling it, Greg, but the post-op, the call where we go back and say, let's, the all things want to the say. After, the, the after talk, the, the talk after we talk. wish we would have given. Exactly. The repair repair work. <laughs> Wish I hadn't said that or whatever. So we'll do that later. But this is the uh, pre-talk for Ecclesiastes, and maybe if we go a little crazy, Song of Song of Solomon. The cool thing about Ecclesiastes is it's all about the search for significance or the quest for contentment and the the and or the pursuit of purpose in life. I mean, oh. those topics. These are like huge topics that are addressed in this book and. I pulled out one of my old Bibles, like one of you probably have a Bible like this, like I've got duct tape on it. Yeah. Um, it's the one Bible I use for many, many, many years. Yeah. And I underline, I have so many different verses underlined um, in the book of Ecclesiastes because, and it's all about this, those three things, significance, contentment, and purpose. Mm. Um, so and you know it and it's just kind of fascinating because it's written by song of Sol- or um solomon right we know it's written most, by solomon well most people think he doesn't actually say written i am solomon writing this he says i the preacher son of david right so who who was the wise son of david it's pretty obvious it's solomon he's pretty universally even though he doesn't say in the actual text i think it's been in tradition almost universally agree that it's solomon writing it yeah so what is your idea of like the overview of the of the the book well it's it's part of wisdom literature so i'll tell you why i like it so much in a personal level i mean when i was gave my life to christ when i was 14 and i remember sometime around that time like when i was 14 sitting on the back deck and reading the book of proverbs almost straight through it and i remember not finishing it but i read like 20 chapters in a row and that was one of the first times i just read a whole chunk of scripture in a row. And it I remember really distinctly, really impressing me how important wisdom was, you know, how 
That's what Proverbs is, wisdom literature. If you live this way, life will go better. Live according to these biblical principles, good things will happen. And if you don't, curses, right? And it's the, the need for wisdom impressed me. And then not long after that, while I was still a teenager, I remember reading Ecclesiastes and thinking, wow, this is so different. It's so, and the feeling I had at the time was it's so authentic. This mm. is something that's really, really bearing their soul and wrestling. What does it really mean? What is life about? It's experiential. And, good word, Greg. You're right. It's experiential, right? That's really good. It's so much about, it's almost, and, and and this is why it fits Solomon so well, right? Because he had all the wealth, all the riches. So he he could just go all in and try stuff. Yeah. And so you see, you know, one of the big themes is everything is vanity. Everything right. is vanity. And right. there's the vanity of doing things. There's the right. vanity of having things. There's the vanity of being. Doing um, and being. That's interesting. It's a good way to think about it. Yeah, that's, that's one of the one of the outlines that I kind of discovered as I was doing some research. Everything's vanity, chapter one. Chapter two, the, the vanity of doing things. Chapter three to six, the vanity of having things. Mm -hmm. And then chapter seven through nine, the, the vanity of, of being of um so I'm and I'm not, you know, I haven't gone much deeper than that, but um yeah, so that's interesting. It's not quite the way. By the way, what, what translation are you using when you say vanity? Because I think a lot of the translations say vanity of vanities. Right. Says the picture, all is vanity and striving after win when, as it opens. And I, I think it's the NIV that I was looking at that says meaningless, meaningless. Yes. And that's and that's the version that that I kind of grew up with is the NIV 1984 version. OK, um, but the vanity, I think, is King James. Yeah, I think so. Vanity. Think so. And I think yeah. New American Standard, which I grew up with. Vanity of Vanities, New American Standard. Oh, is but it? Like, okay. But I like meaningless, meaningless. Uh, similar meanings, um, but uh, that a slightly different feel to a modern audience to say it's all meaningless, it's all pointless. So, yeah, so when you teach us, what are you, what kind of things are you going to hit? Well, so that outline you just gave was interesting. That's not the way I was going to approach it. I was going to go at the beginning and say that at the beginning, he sets out his disillusionment. It comes really out in chapter one, and I'm going to read a bunch of chapter one together as a, as a, you know, just as a group. That's where it starts out, vanity of vanities, or meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher, all, all, all is meaningless. And then early on in chapter two, he, he really goes through three ways that he tried to find meaning in life and how they all fail, uh, through achievement, through great causes, and through pleasure. Um and I should say, as always, as only universally, these a lot of my thoughts on this are informed by Tim Keller sermons that I've listened to on this. And this other website I often go to called preceptaustin.org, which is, summarizes a number of commentaries. But Keller, I remember I remember sitting in his church listening and when I was we attended there and preaching on this. And I remember him talking exactly those things. Like you know, there's three different ways you can live life. You can have an achievement. He used the word cluster, an achievement cluster a cause cluster or a pleasure cluster. I'm not sure what the word cluster means or adds to it, but it was basically yeah. an achievement-based life, a cause-based life, and a pleasure-based life. And I immediately felt at the time, 
because I had lived in these three different cities, that a cause-based life was like D.C., Washington, because we had lived in Washington before we went to New York. And everyone's there for causes. It's all cause-based, right? You're there to get your side elected. You've got to... Everyone says, this election we're facing is the most important of our lifetime because that's everything's at stake. we got to get our side in. And if you're not there for political parties, you're there for some lobby group, for some cause, right? You want to get... You're fighting for your cause to... That's interesting. In so DC, what, city, what city do people go for the achievement-based life? Is New York, that- baby. New York. New York. York. Okay. Think about New York. I might... Depends how much time I have next Saturday, Greg. I might tell some stories because there's like there's parts of New York history that a lot of New Yorkers I knew knew about. This like I gave it like this historical event that New York obviously was a Dutch colony originally, then so it was established. But sometime in the 1600s, the British sailed a couple warships down from Boston into the harbor, and everyone woke up and there's these gunships. New York is. You know, Manhattan's an island. It's exposed on the Hudson. And they woke up and there's these British gunships with these guns aimed at a mostly wooden city. And the mayor at the time said, we're going to fight. Everybody fight. And all the merchants said, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. Uh, down with the Dutch flag, up with the British flag. And they, they, it was more like a hostile takeover than a war at all. And it's so... So there was no fighting. No fight. In fact, it all went on like so the merchants were open for business the very next day. Uh, it took a couple months for the British actually to, to actually, okay, we own this now. We're going to change the court system. And anyway, it was just a takeover and uh, almost a real estate deal. But the 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 part of it that is so emblematic for New York is that New York, and when I was in D.C., so much was all about the elections. And even if you didn't work in politics, you still thought about who's in power, who's not. It's, it meant everything. New York was like, yeah, you know, that one side wins, one side loses. Who cares? You know, there's a change in power. It's just okay. business. Am I long the market? Am I short the market? Is that good for fixed income? Is it good for equities? Am I, is it up, down? Am I, you know, how do I make money off this? I really don't care. And it's just, it's about money. It's about achievement. It's totally, there's a totally different world and different attitude than DC, which is all about, no, it's, this is so important. And then New Yorkers say, yeah, kind of laugh at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really important. How do I make yeah, good? How do I make money? That is really interesting. And then would you do, are you brave enough to call out some cities that are oh, yeah. pleasure based? LA. <laughs> LA. I, I spent a summer in LA uh, living with a friend of mine. Um, not that I know much about it. There's millions and millions of people there. I just spent one summer there, but it seemed like such a pleasure-based city. Everything is a you know. It, it's and that's a very big business climate. I know it's very and very intense and busy. So it's not like everyone's goofing off, but there's such a feeling of feeling good all the time, looking good all the time, almost like kind of being tanned and relaxed is your God given right in LA. Um, it just feels like a pleasure based city. Someone might argue, you might say, no, Vegas is sin city. That's pleasure based. I might have a better example, but I always thought LA was like that just because I had lived there for a time. That's so, interesting. That's interesting. Uh, well, one creature, thing I love about this, I, I love about this, I, you know, the, this book and the fact that he brings out this out is it's all about the void. It's all yeah. about the, the human, the void in every human heart. And yeah. I love chapter three, verse 11, where it yeah. says, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. Yes. And yet they cannot understand. They cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Yeah. That we were made for eternity 
we were we had god created made a void in us that only he can fill but we try to fill it through achievement or causes or pleasure yeah and we're constantly trying to fill that void and uh and when if we don't fill it with god our life feels so empty and meaningless yeah absolutely and i want to i'm going to bring up that verse and i that I'm going to bring up that verse in particular when I talk about the pursuit of pleasure and this the way that Solomon tried to find the meaning of life and pleasure. Um, uh, because it's a little different than when he talks about how he tried to find meaning and achievement and great causes. Mm. And the, the quick point about pleasure to kind of uh, that I want to make is, uh, again, from Tim Keller, is that when it, there's these great verses when he talks about a pleasure-based life, and it's um uh I think it's in chapter two, um uh, when he says, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. <clears throat> there's twice in that passage where he says, My mind still guided me with wisdom. Yeah. Like he says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guided me with wisdom. And then he says again, in all this, my wisdom stayed by me. And then the passage you just read in chapter three, he said eternity in the human heart. And Keller explains this brilliantly. He says the, the problem with pleasure is that it can, it's just never enough to drown out the, the quiet voice in the back of your head that says it's all pointless. It's all meaningless. In other words, you cannot, you can't get enough hedonism to drown that out. Um, you can't out pleasure that notion. And that, so I think people read that passion and say, he says, I did this. I had all these wives. I did all these things. Give me like to pleasure and all this, my wisdom stood by me. And they say, that does not, that doesn't sound like wisdom. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. He's foolish. Why did you do all these things? That's like foolishness, but it's not. The whole point is saying in all this, my wisdom stood by me is that even while he was trying to drown out, drown it out and trying to find his complete meaning through just endless pleasure, bottomless pleasure. It was not, it's not enough. The, it, the, the notion that life is still pointless breaks through and you, you can't drown it out. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy. It's easy to look at other people's pleasures and be like, that's so stupid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's crazy that that's yes. what they're tr that they're giving their lives to. I don't. If you, I don't know. Every, if you everyone's except your own. That's exactly right. And so uh, it's uh, in the and talk, it's, and that's true with all three of those areas: achievements, uh, causes. Because some causes seem stupid. They do. I uh, so I, I remember when we lived in D.C. There was a, a a woman who worked for the can industry. She was in the lobbyist, and she kind of took the job because it's a good paying job. He said, our whole reason for existing is to get people to use more cans and not bottles. <laughs> That's why we're here. And they had a big deal. They were produced a commercial. She said, look, look, here's our commercial. Our commercials on TV. It was some guy choosing a can instead of a bottle saying, see, my drink is cold and the aluminum can, whatever, like push the cans. And That's uh, interesting. even she thought, well, that's kind of silly, but it's a job. And you uh, have causes like that today, you know, like not using plastic straws. Some people think that's really important. That's a big cause. I'm saying I'm doing my part to save the oceans because I don't use plastic straws. Absolutely. Right. 
And other people say, what difference does it make if you use a straw? It's no How about just not using a straw? Yeah. How about Some just people... sipping from the cup? I raise my glass to you right now, Greg. Absolutely. <laughs> but, no straw uh, for the record. So... But that point, by the it, way, I think just if you ever see people towing things on the highway behind them, some big contraption, whatever it is, it's a boat, it's a four by four, it's something you think, what? Something that you would never do. And yeah. someone just spent a ton of money and they're towing their big contraption thing to some other place to do something else. They're like, all the hassle, all the money to do that thing. And the phrase I I, I did come up with this, this is original. So I've said this for years. Um, if it's, and I'll, I'm going to use it when I give the talk is stupid is what I wouldn't do. Yeah. Stupid is what stupid. I wouldn't do. Stupid is what I wouldn't do. If I wouldn't do it, it's stupid. Right. I would, I would never go camping like that. I would never go for the four by four. I wouldn't get a jet ski. I, who, who toes behind the big boat or whatever it is that you wouldn't do. Yeah. That's right? so true. That's so true. And, and don't you think that applies to all those areas though? achievement causes and, and pleasure. Um, it definitely does. And I hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it right now, but you're right. I was going to use some, about some people that are like, they're what they're trying to achieve, like getting in the Guinness book of world's records, you know, for killing, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, uh, juggling the most uh, basketballs or something. Um, some of those, some of those achievements seem so, so, so silly, oh. but what, what, which of these, which of those three, do you feel like you tend to fall towards? Oh, achievement. Yeah. Achievement. It's always been that way. I mean, yeah. so that's, that's kind of how I feel too. You feel that way too? Yeah. Because I yeah. think in ministry, like, you know, that, you know, being successful. Really? Uh, is, is, yeah. I mean, you, you're, you really want, you want to be, you want to be successful. Interesting. Um, which <laughs> is something, you know, you fight because I think, biblically it's not about worldly success it's about faithfulness absolutely faithfulness is what matters there's many many godly men and women who've served in really small ministries but they've made incredible impacts yeah just because they've been faithful to what god has called them to do at the same time there's been people that have had incredibly large seemingly impacts and successful in the world worldly eyes you know they get on tv and yep and then you find out their lives are like you know they're 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 not really um yeah they're they're in it for the money it's empty they're yeah right yeah it's just it's just empty but um that's interesting greg because i wouldn't have thought of that i would have i would have i would have put you down as cause-based because of the ministry, it always seems like you could always say, well, I mean, we, we both know that it's not the way to draw your righteousness, but it's easy to say, I am not caught up like those people in their achievement. I am working for the Lord for a yeah. great cause. Well, I think cause, causes, you know, it's interesting to think about just Christian ministry in general in all three areas, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because there's definitely, a, I mean, maybe those two are kind of equal pulls on me. Yeah. Um, but, um, and then the pleasure, I, you know, how does pleasure work out in, uh, um, you know, and for somebody that's, 
you know, maybe be a driver for you. It's uh, I, I remember, and I, I think I want to try to tell the story if I remember it when I'm speaking, I remember witnessing to a guy in college and I was Larry Crabb's books were out at the time. Remember Larry Crabb? Yes. And he had his big, and his friend. wife is, Oh, his ex-wife. I'm a crab. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Larry, if you're listening, Larry, if you're listening, we're so sorry. Yeah, actually, Larry, that was a joke. I know. I, I don't. I think Larry was very faithful to his wife, and and he he actually wrote some really good stuff. But yeah, what was the I, what was the? Do you I remember the name of the book? No, it was his. I think it was his first book. It was a big hit in Christian circles. But this was like the '80s, right? This is a while ago. But his big catchphrase was that everybody lives for two things, significance and security. Everybody craves two things. And, and that just made so much sense intuitively to people. People were like, wow, I caught on like wildfire. People are saying, do you realize there's two things people live for? Significance and security. And I remember I was sharing Christ with a friend of mine, and I was talking about that, you know, hoping that he would say, how do I find significance and security as well, be able to share the gospel? And I said, you know, there's two things people live for, significance and security. He said, what about having fun? So I just want to have a good time. I don't care about that stuff. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm an 18-year-old college student. I just want to have a good time. Like, what's what the heck? And they realized, like, a lot of people don't live for that. They live for, you know. And I think, actually, this is kind of predominant view now. This whole Everyone says this generation lives for experiences. Everyone says they, you only go around once, YOLO, right? You only go around once, so... Um, and, uh, you got a, the book you mentioned might be inside out, inside out. That is what it is. Larry Crabb. So, yeah. And then there was that book. The same time was the search for significance. Um, oh, really? There was another big book that was, had the same. Okay. Same truth, but the, you're right. You're right. The, the, there is a, so. In it's, but it's very heavy. It's very meaty. It's like thinking people say, you're right. Significance. But a lot of people say, bag that. I just want um, everybody. You know remember that song in the, it was 80s or 90s. Was, Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah. Remember, uh, oh, another song. Um, What's her name? Cheryl Crow. All I want to do is have some fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm here to tell you I'm not the only one. Right, right. right. And uh, just have a good time. Right. Uh, yeah. I think it's, so, so I think, are yeah. we saying, are we saying that, like these three areas that come out in the book of Ecclesiastes are still relevant today. Absolutely. Because I think that people, yeah, absolutely. Because what he's trying to say is, first of all, we should have started this way. Um, He's trying to look at life under the sun, right? So under the sun. So from like an earthly perspective, Right. Not the heavenly perspective, the earthly perspective, right? Under the sun. is like, Let's think of what this word is like if there's no God. Like apart from God. Apart so from like God. Apart from God, you look at life and you you try to make as much money as you can. But what is it all for? You end up, you can't take it with you. Right. So it's means. Apart, apart from God, you, you give yourself to a cause. Right. You work for that cause and then, you know, it's um yeah 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 that's yeah yeah, that's that's really that's really important to so is would you say that that's part of like the wisdom of solomon like he's he He, 
when when he was when he's writing this book he's he's basically trying to help us see that like remove god from the equation right and life no matter how successful how good you are or what you give your life to it's you can't find any meaning in it let's just say so he's yeah exactly so he's saying look remove god from the equation let's look at life under the sun not the heavenly perspective earthly perspective you know so but without God, I will try to find meaning in the three major ways people try to find meaning in their lives, right? A pleasure-based life, first though, a, an achievement-based life, a cause-based life, and then a pleasure-based life. And he said, I'm here to tell you, it won't work. It's still meaningless. It's still pointless. You find that you can achieve all these great things. And we can go through some passages. You can achieve these great things. You're going to leave it to a fool who comes after you. You could create all these great causes no, and no, no matter what you do, no one will remember you. And the generations that's come that won't remember you, they won't be remembered by the later later generations that come after them. Everything will be forgotten. Everything's pointless. And Kelly does such a great job of pointing this out. He'll say what he's doing is he's he's stepping back and taking the big picture. He's saying, I looked at it all, right? Not in part, because in any given part, you could say, this part of my life makes sense. Right, this one individual component of my life makes sense. So like, like, why do you go to work? Well, so I can uh, afford to pay the rent. Well, why to pay the rent? So I can have a place to, to sleep. Well, why do you go to sleep? So I can be rested. Why do you need to be rested? So I can go to work. Mm-hmm. In any one component of that, you could say that has meaning. But when you look at the step back and look at the whole thing, the way the Ecclesiastes writer does. He says, you look at the whole picture altogether. It's all meaningless. It doesn't make sense. There's no hope. There's no point to life. And you could try these ways of doing it, achievement-based, cause-based, or pleasure-based, and you're going to find, like I did, it's still pointless. There's no meaning. Now, what, what makes it tricky, and this is the hard part of Ecclesiastes, is you know he starts off by saying, let me look at life under the sun. So you could say, well, let's just, you could do that now as a thought experiment. Get Christians together and you could say, well, let's just imagine there's no God right? Like the John Lennon song, imagine there's no heaven, right? And let's just talk about what that would look like, what that world would look like. But it's not a book where he doesn't mention God, not like the book of Esther, where the book, where the word God never shows up. He talks about God a lot. That's what I was, that's, that was one of the things I was thinking of as you were talking is, yeah, he kind of sprinkles God throughout the book. It's not even like, it's not the punchline at the end. It's like, oh, he kind of just like, like the whole chapter, like 90% of it will be about just that earthly perspective, but then he'll put like a couple verses, Yep. you know, about, he, he does, he mentions God. Do you want to, any of those like really stand out to you in your, in your research or yeah, there's mention, a, mention some of those verses? If you can find some now, but it's, it is, it's very, it's so it's confusing. It's so it's a confusing enough if you're. If you read it for the first time, you don't get that under the sun part. It's super confusing. You say, this book seems to say life is meaningless and pointless, and everybody dies, and that's, you know, there's no afterlife, and so there's no point to anything. You know, there's no difference between human beings and animals because they're all the same because everybody dies. And you say, this seems so inconsistent with the whole rest of the Bible. This doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then you say, no, someone explains to you, no, 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 but he's saying it's under the sun, you see. It's all about what life is like if there's no God. Oh, okay, I get that. 
So like chapter two, verses 20, starting in verse 24. Yes. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see is from the hand of God. So right. there's that God, there's that heavenly perspective for without God who can eat or find enjoyment to get, to yeah. give the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, Yeah, it's cool. So the image I have, well, someone, uh, 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 our friend, Dr. Bob Mosteller, actually gave me this uh, image. He said, it's think about Ecclesiastes like someone who's trying to explain how the sky works, but they're inside one of those like uh, sports domes, like a soccer dome where they kind of pump it up and it's opaque and you can't see anything. And maybe there's a couple of holes in it. So you, I see a little ray of light coming through. There's a drop of water coming through, but I, so I'm trying to, I can't really see. And that, and that, that, that's the perspective. Try and that kind of person is trying to describe how the atmosphere works. I thought that's a pretty good analogy, but I, another one is like, I think of like cloud cover because we're here in, um, where we live in the Northeast Ohio, Northeast Ohio, uh, second most cloud cover in the United States. Uh, <laughs> the preferred, not the preferred, but the most common weather pattern is overcast gray skies. And you think about someone like that under overcast trying to explain it. And I feel like he's like staying below the clouds for most of it. And then going above the clouds once in a while and catching a glimpse of what the blue sky is like. Hmm. And then dropping down below the clouds and talking about, so he's like he's going above and below the clouds through is the whole a progression. Is there a progression? I like, don't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I see the progression. Like there's there's some there's a conclusion at the end. A definite like the conclusion, conclusion at the end. Do you feel like is do you feel like that's the real punch? The progression probably is. He says in chapter the, the things about the cause based life, achievement based life, pleasure based life are in chapter two. So chapter one is like it's all meaningless. Chapter two is very much. I tried these three ways to find meaning in life. They don't work. Um, then, like, there's a number of chapters, like the next uh, um, through, like, through 11. There are his just wisdom, his wisdom sayings, like like Proverbs. And some of those are, like, above the clouds and some are below the clouds. Right? So he'll say things like, you know, the um, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might, because there's no activity in the grave where you're going. Like, there's no afterlife. You know, say, surely a live dog is better than a dead lion because death conquers everything. Like, okay, that that part's not, that's below the sun thinking. I get it. I I, I got that. But then other things he's saying, like, you know, have great composure in front of the king because composure allays great offenses. Okay, good good wisdom. That sounds like, you know, timeless wisdom. Maybe it's above the clouds. But he's constantly drifting above and below the clouds through that wisdom part. And it's kind of hard to, like, understand the wisdom part of it but understand that he's still taking that perspective sometimes of dipping below the clouds and looking at looking at it as if there's no God. So I think that's even if you get the under the sun thing, it's a, still a challenge as a Christian to read Ecclesiastes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode and remember. On your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace 
And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.